It is The Difference, a podcast produced in conjunction with me, Dan O'Donnell, and Dave Spano, the president and CEO of Annex Wealth Management. Welcome to it each and every week. We talk about the intersection of politics. That's my specialty and finance. That's Dave's specialty and how all of it impacts you. And the big story this week, Dave, has got to be the Fed Chairman Jerome Powell's rather hawkish comments during the meeting in Jackson Hole, Wyoming. It clearly spooked the market. I mean, on Friday, what did the Dow drop? About a thousand points. Right. And mm -hmm. we have been sort of sputtering ever since. I think this sort of hammered home the reality that more rate hikes are coming, that the economy is going to slow down even more. And while the Fed is going to be loath to do anything in front of the election, that that's almost going to have to be an inevitability that rates are raised even further and the economy slows down even further because inflation is just completely out of control. Yeah, and of course, there's no doubt, and, and we pounded this conversation for a while. But inflation, we saw coming, and, and you know, not that we're, not that we're we're spiking the ball, but we said this a year ago, and that the Fed is going to be late to the game, and in fact, that is exactly what happened. And now they've been late to the game, and so now they're trying to play catch up, uh, and try to raise rates to slow down inflation. And so, by design, Dan, they are trying to slow down the economy to. To, to slow down real estate prices and wage increases. And if can they really do that? Can they slow down the economy? Well, that we know. Can they slow it down and not cause a recession? Well, there's this indicator, which is what's called you know, an inverted yield curve. And an inverted yield curve means that short-term rates are higher than long-term rates. And when we've seen that many times in the past, that has been a harbinger of a recession to come right now, as we talked this morning, the two-year Treasury is around 3.4, and the 10-year Treasuries around 3.1. So the short-term Treasuries are higher than the long-term Treasury. That means that we are going to have uh, a slowing economy uh, next year and perhaps a recession, and that is a cause con for concern. Well, how is it connected to economics and politics? Every part of this, from how much you pay at the grocery store to the impending elections coming up, are tied together around economic issues. Yeah, but I guess the question on everybody's mind is, I mean, we know the, the traditional definition of a recession is two consecutive quarters of negative GDP growth. Well, it was. It was, yeah, until <laughs> until they even changed Wikipedia's definition. We had some fun right. with that a few weeks back. There were something like 42 edits to the Wikipedia entry for recession in the better part of three days when all of a sudden Democrats and their media allies said, wait, 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 we're not going to know whether we were in a recession until the official designation a year later, not coincidentally, well after the midterm elections where the state of the economy is figuring to be the biggest issue. But it certainly feels like a recession, Dave, but is there also some merit to the argument that, you know what, there isn't high unemployment. People yep. are working. People who want a job uh, can get a job. Job openings topped 11.2 million in July, though, well above estimates, nearly double the available workers, which means labor force participation is lower than it has been. But this means we're at almost full employment. People are back to work after the pandemic. 
The only problem is salaries clearly have not kept up with the pace of inflation. So inflation. G given all that, I mean, to me, it, it I guess, feels like a recession. We're seeing a housing slowdown. Uh, every time I go on the Zillow app and, you know, take that for what it's worth, I actually get Zillow updates where I can see uh, houses near me. It seems mm -hmm. like every 45 minutes I'm getting a new notification that there's been a price drop on a home. Yep. And that, that's what they're trying to do. And there's no question there's there's slowing down by intent. And with that, that means that we at, at least maybe it's not a recession. At least it's a stagnant economy. And with a stagnant economy and high inflation, stagflation is something we saw 30 years ago. The most significant thing that is happening is that quantitative easing, which is the Fed's term, if you will, of putting money into the economy. They've taken their own balance sheet, which is that you know something that the Fed has that they've gone out and purchased and put it on their balance sheet, were bonds. And they had it up to eight, nine trillion dollars. That was quantitative easing by putting money into the market. This is a sea change effect that they're going through right now from going to from quantitative easing to quantitative tightening. Because when you had all this free money floating out there, it raised all boats. And therefore it was easy to buy stocks because they were V recoveries. If you have quantitative tightening and monetary policy is coming, uh, capital is coming out of the economy, that makes it more difficult to really have to pay attention to the companies that you purchase because are they doing better? This is a sea change. There's no doubt about that. So we could have muted returns in the stock market for some time. That is the epitome of the intersection of politics and economy. Yeah, because we're going to go to the polls in about three months now, but less than three months, a little more than two months, actually. And once we get past Labor Day weekend this weekend, that's when the political season really ramps up. And we're going to decide as a country whether or not we want to give President Biden two more years ahead of a re-election effort. At least we assume he's running for re-election. He may decide that he's not running for re-election, that it may be uh, Kamala Harris duking it out with you know the governor of California, Gavin Newsom, and the uh, transportation secretary, Pete Buttigieg, and anyone else who jumps in. But for the sake of arguments, let's say Biden's running for re-election. He's a Democrat, and he's a big spending Democrat. He almost certainly kicked off the current inflationary environment that we're in through $1.9 trillion in stimulus. He passed his ironically and rather hilariously titled Inflation Reduction Act, which was another right. 700 to $800 billion in spending, and then just announced a plan that's going to be at a minimum $300 billion, possibly as much as $500 billion or even a trillion dollars of student loan forgiveness, which I do want to get into in, in just a second. Yeah. Yep. But we're going to go to the polls and decide whether Democrats keep control of Congress and essentially continue to sign off on these big spending plans, which I don't think will do anything but keep inflation at record high levels for the foreseeable future, or whether there's going to be a big stop sign in the way of a Republican Senate and a Republican House. So this, right. this, I mean, you talk about uncertainty. We have no idea what tax, I mean, taxes are going up under the Inflation Reduction Act. Corporate taxes are going up rather significantly in a very short period of time. I mean, you're getting all sorts of changes, and we could see this continue down the same path 
if Republicans don't win the midterms. And oh, by the way, the late summer polling is showing that Democrats are doing far better than they probably should. So there is a ton of uncertainty just in the next couple of months. No, oh, man, there's, there's so many things you touched on there. But so monetary policy is one thing. Fiscal policy obviously is something else. Well, at the same time that the monetary policy is being hawkish and they're taking money out of the economy and hurting uh, working class families, fiscally, they're putting more money into the economy, which exasperates the very problem that we have. And not only inflation in, in this country, obviously, that, that's my, our, our monetary and fiscal policy, but around the world, it is an issue. In places like the UK, uh, inflation's running at around 17%. In, in Germany, it's much higher. I saw a recent report that it was more than 30%. A lot of that, of course, is energy and everything that's happening with the Ukrainian war. But back here in the United States, when, when monetary policy is doing one and fiscal is doing the other, it certainly sends a conflicting message. But you know, we have seen historically that the party in power, the president's party, would lose a significant number of seats the, at, at the midterm election. And in fact, uh, several months ago, there was a conversation about a red wave that there would be a lot of seats lost in the House. Well, that is continuing to go away. And some most recent polling, Dan, and you know better than I, has suggested that the Republicans won't even win the Senate. And so there is so much there that certainly causes people concern. The reason why I bring that up on the politics side, the markets do better when there's a divided house than when when all one party is in control as there is today. The Democrats, as we well know, control the White House, the House, and the Senate. The market would like to have a divided house. And so that is uncertainty, and that's certainly going to put pressure on people's portfolios at the same time as we see this this sea change of, of quantitative tightening happening. And because there's so much uncertainty, now is certainly the time that you need to know what you own in your portfolio and why you own it. You need to be making sure that you're working with a fee-only fiduciary who's working with and, more importantly, working for you to get you through this period of uncertainty and get you to the goals that you and your fiduciary are setting for you and you can do let that me, let me just jump in oh yeah, yeah go ahead and i you know, you're gonna i know you're gonna give us our, our website but let me just jump in if there's more muted returns dan and that means so you know and generally we've seen higher returns but if there's more muted returns so so bring that down if fees that you're paying uh, for uh, management advice are stagnant. That means it's a percentage, it's, it's a larger percentage of your portfolio that's going towards fees. And that's why I see so many people come in and see us and they go, yeah, well, my guy, you know, my one guy is charging me a fee. Well, if he's not giving you other services, estate planning lawyers like we have or CPAs, or, and I'm not trying to talk my own book here, I'm just saying, if more muted returns and the fees stay stagnant, you are paying more as a percentage. And that is the reason why I keep saying over and over again, know how much you're paying for your advice. Know what you own because in this type of economy, what you own is important. You know, you look at the 11 sectors of the S&P 500, the sector that's doing the best is energy. And so that doesn't mean going out and just buying oil, but companies that are in the space. There are places that will do well in a slowing economy. People are still going to buy 
toothpaste and toilet paper and so on and so forth. So staples uh, will do well. Or you look at what's happening with the chip at, chips acts that just passed uh, in, in, in onshoring on of so many things around the world. And by the way, you talk about a hot war that's happening in Russia and Ukraine. And at the same time, you cannot ignore what's happening with uh, the Chinese and, and Taiwan. You can't ignore that, folks. And so all of this is truly uncertainty. Yeah, it definitely is. And that's why you need to head to AnnexWealth.com for a free wealth metric. It's a review of your portfolio with people you can trust. So I do want to talk about President Biden's student loan forgiveness, or as I'm calling it, the student loan transfer from the borrower to the United States taxpayer. It's estimated that this will cost taxpayers, on average, $2,000 per. What do you make of this? Well, first of all, that is it's a question of fairness. Let's let's put the economics aside. Uh, in my family, right, I have people who joined the military and gave up four and five years to uh, to to the to our country to protect our country to protect you and I, so they could get free education. Well, they're not getting that four years back. That's not getting forgiven. That's just that's just one example. Secondary is how many people that like like I did like people you know, uh, worked second jobs and, and made choices to go to different schools because of economics. I can tell you right now, I just went through this with one of my kids, they, there's no question that people were making decisions on where they were going to school based on the cost of that tuition. And so people made sacrifices all around. And so that's one. I, I, my question back to you, I mean, it's a question about fairness, but my question back to you is, do you, don't you think that there's going to be some type of legal dispute over this? Yeah. Oh, absolutely. I mean, the, the president does not have the authority, both Biden's own education department and the Speaker of the House, Nancy Pelosi, have said that the president doesn't have unilateral authority. I mean, this yep. needs to be done through an she, act she, she of Congress. She did say that. Yeah, she said yeah, that she, in she, uh, she the summer of 2021, I believe July of 2021, almost exactly a year ago. And now suddenly, well, the president has total authority to do this. I, my guess is, yes, absolutely, there's going to be a lawsuit over this. And this was announced solely to... Uh, kind of boost the Democratic Party to say to all of the people who might be a little dispirited ahead of the elections on the Democrat side, hey, if you vote for Democrats, you'll get $10,000 of your student loans paid for. I don't believe this actually or goes more. through. Or more. Yeah, yeah. it's $10,000 is pretty much a starting point. So, Dan, I mean, there's so much for us to talk about. I love doing this uh, on, on, a, on a weekly basis. This is just the tip of, of the sword, if you will. We have so much more to talk about. Love doing this show on a weekly basis with you. Yeah, you too, my friend. Thank you so much. And thank you for listening. For Dave Spano, President and CEO of Annex, I'm Dan O'Donnell. This has been... Annex Wealth Management is a registered investment advisor. For more information about our firm, please visit AnnexWealth.com. The information in this podcast is for educational and entertainment purposes only and is subject to change without notice. Opinions expressed are those of the participants and don't necessarily reflect those of Annex Wealth Management, its producers, hosts, or guests. The host of the podcast is compensated for his endorsement of Annex Wealth Management. Information presented should not be construed as tax, legal, or investment advice, or a recommendation or solicitation for the sale of any product or strategy. Listeners are encouraged to seek advice from qualified professionals to determine whether any information presented may be suitable for their specific situation. Investments involve risks. 
Neither Annex Wealth Management nor its podcast participants shall be liable for losses resulting from decisions based on information or viewpoints presented on this podcast.